Kelly. Hey, thank you so much. Pastor Kendall, honored to be here. Hey, as you're going through your week this week, continue to pray for Pastor Kendall, Kyle, and Tracy is there, literally out there as an extension of a Freedom Church building the kingdom. But I'm thankful today uh, for this opportunity. My name's Pastor Kelly. I am uh, the Recoveries Ministries pastor here at Freedom Church. Some of you just went, oh man, they let that guy back up there. He's gonna talk about hurts and habits and hangups. All right, I'm not gonna talk about those things today. Actually, I am gonna talk about those things today because we all have them for sure. We are in a weird season, I would say, right now, right? Like a weird holiday season. We just came through Halloween, and um, it's not quite Thanksgiving yet. Some of you putting trees up, not the, the Christmas music is, is playing in the stores for sure. We had tornadoes on Friday, so it's a weird season for sure. Coming through Halloween, it made me think about scary movies. How many of you like scary movies? Yeah, all right. Some of you are like, can I say that in church? I don't know. Got me thinking about the scariest movie of all times, right? I, I think scary movies should be judged on whether or not they change your life, like if you live differently, right? So a lot of scary movies, you know, I don't believe it, I don't buy it, that's not gonna happen, so I'm not really afraid of it. I'm, I'm afraid of things that really could happen. You know what I think the scariest movie of all times is? Jaws. <laughs> Jaws is the scariest movie of all time. Some of you are thinking right now, oh, he's right because it changed the way we think about water, right? Changed, we don't get in the ocean without thinking about Jaws. I don't even get in the ocean, if I'm being honest. I am being honest. Confession to make, I'm terrified of sharks, all right? I'm not scared of snakes, I'm not scared of spiders. I know it's irrational because we live in Texas, but I am scared of sharks. My wife, on the other hand, is not at all afraid of sharks. She loves swimming in the ocean. She loves going. We've been to the ocean a couple times, different things, down to Mexico for some vacations. Spent our 10-year anniversary down in Mexico a few years ago. And uh, she said, hey, man, let's go snorkeling. Let's, let's go snorkeling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's sharks in the water. Don't go in the water. So we go to the beach, and we find this little guy named Pedro, and he's got this dinghy, and he's booking snorkeling trips. And not really a dinghy, it's more like a couple pieces of wood tied together. All right, it's like a piece of fence with a tarp on it. And we get on this with Pedro and he's paddling out and the whole time I'm looking back thinking there's gotta be sharks and he takes us out. We're literally a half mile off the beach and, and uh, he's like, all right, here we are. We're over the reef. She's, my wife just jumps right in. She's like going for it, right? She's, she's swimming, I'm, I'm jumping in too, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna help, I don't wanna look like a chicken. And so I get in, I go down, my wife's like 20 feet down looking at sea urchins, right? I'm going down long enough just to look for sharks, come back up and get some air. It, it is not fun for me, I don't enjoy it, right? My wife's literally down here having the time of her life, you know, making memories, Woohoo! best vacation ever. I'm up here at the top going, doo-doo, 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 Hey! Y'all welcome my son to the stage right now. My, my son, thank you so much. He told me something this week. He and I had a serious conversation. I'm gonna ruin it for him today, but uh, he and I had a serious conversation this week. He never told me before but he told me he felt called to ministry. 
I was, I was very, very proud of him. Little, I, I always knew that was there. I didn't know he was going to get started this early, this Sunday, on the stage. But anyway, I am scared of sharks. I'm being honest. And my wife is not. She literally says, if I die getting eaten by a shark, what a way to go, right? We're out there in the ocean. I'm just thinking, hey, that's a good for you because if I see a shark, I'm out of here. I'm back on the dinghy with Pedro. It's like vominos. I am gone. I've already told her, I ain't rescuing you. You are gonna die. Last week, Pastor Kendall preached a message about water and, and uh, taking a risk. You know, he talked about Peter getting out of the boat and taking a risk and walking on water. And he even asked the question, he said, how come nobody else got out of the boat? All those other guys, they stayed in the boat. I was sitting right over here thinking, yeah, they saw Jaws. That's why. Peter hadn't seen that movie. Today, we're going to talk about another man overboard, a familiar story in the scripture, the story of Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. We're going to come at it a little different look this morning as we talk about it in a sermon titled, The Belly of the Beast. Jonah's a really interesting book. It's a cool book. Jonah starts out at the very first verse, and it says that a word, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and he told him to go to Nineveh and preach against their wickedness. It was a clear word of the Lord here. How many of you ever wish God would just speak to you clearly? God would just tell you what he wants to, like give you a clear word. I love when Pastor Kendall tells the story of the time he was looking for a word from the Lord and he decided just to open his Bible and the first thing he found was what God was speaking to him and he opened his Bible and there it was. This was exactly what God was saying to him. I tried that one time too. I opened my Bible, I touched it, opened it up to the verse it said and Judas went out and hanged himself. I better try that again. I touched another verse and said, go now and do likewise. One more time. I touched another verse and said, whatsoever you do, do it quickly. I'm done. That is not how God speaks to me, all right? You want to know how God speaks to us? Here's how, here's how we know what God wants you to do next. Well, first of all, if he hadn't told you anything else, just do what he told you to last, all right? But here's how God speaks to us. What he, what he wants us to do is be obedient, what he wanted Jonah to do after he heard the word was to be obedient. But Jonah wasn't obedient. Jonah had a problem with, with the Ninevites. They were an enemy of his people. Jonah was very judgmental and he didn't want to do it God's way. He wanted to do it his way. So what Jonah did is he ran from God. He ran from God's will. The Bible tells us he literally got on a boat, all right, but he went the opposite way of Nineveh and sailed toward Tarshish. He was fleeing from God. Now, scripture tells us in the first chapter of Jonah, that God did some incredible things to begin to point Jonah back in the right direction. The first thing he did was send a storm. This is not my message this morning, but I want you to hear this. God sent a storm. And sometimes we're wondering why we're facing the storms in life. God sent a storm. And we'll come back to that in just a little while, but, but God sent a storm to begin to direct Jonah back to his will and he began to use things. And, and the people finally realized that the storm was Jonah's fault. Their boat was gonna be torn apart. Jonah said, just throw me into the ocean. It's my fault, right? And so they do it. They throw Jonah overboard and he finds himself now literally in the middle of the storm drowning. Here's what uh, scripture says in Jonah chapter two. Jonah says, scripture says in Jonah chapter two, from the inside of the fish, from the inside of the belly of the beast, Jonah prayed to the Lord. 
What we find out in the story is that, that, that Jonah was thrown overboard and then swallowed by this giant fish. Jonah 1.17 says the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And, and many times, you're probably thinking right now, what does this have to do with sharks, Pastor Gilly? What, is, what does sharks have to do with this? My family actually loves Shark Week, too. We watch Shark Week every year. We record it and, and, and re-watch it. And, and you're probably asking, why does somebody who hates sharks watch Shark Week? Reminds me to stay out of the ocean. That's why. We watch Shark Week. I remember a couple years ago, we were watching it. And this interesting story came on about about what it was that could have possibly swallowed Jonah. I remember going to the New Orleans Zoo one time and seeing this giant um, fish or just giant shark mouth, right? And uh, they, had a, they had a shark mouth there. And underneath was this inscription, and it said, it's highly possible that a shark swallowed Jonah. So I'm here watching Shark Week, and they run this special on this. And I, 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 I'll never forget it. And I went back and I found it online. I just want to read to you this morning, all right? In 2002, two marine scientists from SeaWorld attempted to answer the question, what could have swallowed Jonah? They looked at many species of fish that were there, and they concluded this, that for the possibility of it being a whale, they concluded it would be highly implausible for one to house a living person for three days. Whales are mammals with digestive systems similar to humans. Lots of juices, lots of acid, lots of heat in there. It would not be a hospital environment, a whale's stomach for, for a human to survive. As for a shark, however, they included, they concluded, or another fish, they explained that its belly would be far more hospitable. It's far more likely that a human could dwell in that of a shark. Given the temperatures of the Mediterranean and the metabolism of the shark, a man's body could easily last three days in the shark's belly without deterioration. Anatomically, a shark is also the only fish who could regurgitate its prey upon the land like so now, listen, this story just got a whole lot scarier, if we're being honest. I know some translations use the word well, but the most accurate translations use the word large fish, dragon, or beast. Now Jonah's being swallowed by jaws. That's a whole different story. Either way, Jonah finds himself in the belly of this fish. And verse number two, chapter one, or chapter, verse number one, chapter number two, verse number one, says this, from inside the fish, the belly of the beast, Jonah prayed. And he said this, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep realm and the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. Your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your temple. The engulfing waters, they threatened me. Deep surrounded me, seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, and the earth beneath banned me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought me up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. It's an interesting story here because we find out that Jonah, while he was in the belly of the great fish, thought like you and I do, this might be a good time to pray, right? Maybe in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my circumstances, I should probably pray. And the truth is, Jonah should have prayed and got in line with God before God had to send a great fish 
to swallow him. But aren't you and I guilty of that too? Don't we find ourselves <laughs> waiting till we're in distress, like seaweed wrapped around our heads and stuff before we decide, hey, this might be a good, in, here's what Jonah said, in my distress, sometimes we wait too long. Here's the good story. Here's the truth, the, the value in it. That it doesn't matter when you pray, where you're at, where you pray, what's going on in your life when you pray. It doesn't matter when you turn to God or how you turn to God. He answers the same. He doesn't reject us. God never said, oh, you waited a little too long. God never says you took too long. Matter of fact, verse number 10 says this, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. God rescued him. Now the truth is this morning, it doesn't matter if it was a, a whale or a shark, God could have made a minnow swallow Jonah if he wanted to. The point was that sometimes disobedience gets us in a bad spot. Sometimes running from God's will gets us in a tight spot. Sometimes life itself puts us in the belly of the beast. Sometimes we find ourselves struggling just because of our circumstances. It might be sin, it might be shame, it could be guilt or worry or anger or fear, it could be depression, anxiety, it could be something we're dealing with that we haven't got over, it could be grief, it could be pornography, it could be eating disorders, it could be hoarding. There's a whole list of things it could be. It could be mental health issues, right? We talk about mental health issues. Everybody checks out and says, that's not me. I don't have any mental health issue. Let me just clear something up right now. All of us have somebody in our lives who think we're crazy. Trust me. <laughs> somebody thinks you're crazy. If nobody else does, I think you're crazy. <laughs> My wife says this all the time, but we all got a little crazy. And some people earn their crazy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not really talking about clinically insane here. I'm not talking about crazy, crazy. I'm talking about mental health. We all struggle with mental health. You ever been sad? Sad to the point that you couldn't see past the day you were, in, you were supposed to be living in? It's a mental health issue. We ever been so anxious about something that we were facing or something that was coming up, a good or bad opportunity, that we couldn't really focus and get things? It's a mental health issue. We ever been lonely? We ever went through grief? Whoever struggled with sorrow or depression, those are mental health issues. And what we do is we continue to pretend that they don't exist and we find ourselves in the belly of this beast we're not even aware we're in. I, I didn't say this earlier. I, I don't even know that I've ever read this. The very first sermon I preached in 1995 was on Jonah. Very, very first sermon I preached, right? 1995. In all of my reading of Jonah and preaching of Jonah, I never thought about it this way, but when I just, and I didn't include it in the other two sermons, so third service is the best, right? You're getting a bonus here. Divine revelation that came to me late. I'm sitting over here thinking, wait a minute. Jonah, in chapter two, verse one through nine, begins to describe his situation. And he begins to talk about being in the depths of the water. And he begins to even talk about being down at the bottom of the ocean. And he even talks about seaweed wrapped around. You know what Jonah never mentioned? I'm in the belly of a beast. I, 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 got, I just got ate by something. I don't care if it's Jaws. I don't care if it's a shark. Jonah didn't say that. And I'm sitting over here thinking, I don't know if it's true or not, but here's what I know. Sometimes we're so deep in our dismay, so deep in our despair, so deep in our circumstances that we don't even realize how bad we are. We don't even realize we have now been consumed, ate up, and we're in the belly of a beast we didn't know existed. Here's what that means. Some of you, 
your sin has such a hold on you, you don't know how in danger you are. Your circumstances has such control of you, you don't know how close you are to losing things. We're in the belly of a beast we may not even know we're in. We may not even be willing to admit we're in. I've been in the belly of a beast a couple times in my life. Many times, actually. When I was in probably 10, 12 years old, I found myself in a tent one night with a man I trusted. That would be the first of many nights that over the next couple years he would sexually abuse me. I found myself in the belly of the beast of sexual abuse. My junior year in high school, I spent my entire junior year testifying in court with six other guys against a man named Terry. I used to be worried about mentioning his name. You know, I don't know why, but I got three friends who are dead. Three of those guys who testified with me are dead now as a direct result of it, so I don't really care. He's serving 660 years in prison. I have forgiven him, but listen, I was in the belly of the beast of shame, of guilt, of what did I do to deserve this, of how did I get out of this, of, of I hope nobody finds out. And I'm thankful today that God has rescued me and set me free from that. But I have no question that it began to, that, I'm, that I have no question... And let me tell you what I'm free from. I don't hold any ill will. I've prayed for his forgiveness. I've prayed for his salvation. From prison today, he still denies it. And I pray, God, help him see the light. Why is that? Because I can't be in the belly of the beast of unforgiveness. Some of the greatest, maybe the greatest beast you'll ever face is the beast of unforgiveness. So great that Jesus said, if you do not forgive, you cannot be forgiven. Some of us are being destroyed in the belly of the beast of unforgiveness. You gotta let go of that. It's only hurting you. And there's freedom in doing that. Jonah was struggling with forgiving the people of Nineveh. He found himself now in, in this belly of the beast, in this fight for his life, literally. I, I made it through high school and I began to drink. I don't know if it was a result of things. I think it was just because it's what we did growing up in small town Oklahoma. We just drank. The only problem was I didn't know that the first drink I had would flip a switch in me that would cause me to think this is the best thing I've ever done and I gotta spend the rest of my life doing it. I didn't realize that, that as an addict, I would, I, would, I would jump into something that I couldn't get out of and I would, I would spend time in jail. I would, I would, I would face the, the belly, the beast of, of, of addiction in my life in my early years and, and then I would find freedom through Christ and he pulled me out of that and I spent the next 15, 17 years free from that bondage. And then for whatever reason, I'd love to tell you it was because life got hard and pushed me back or whatever, but the truth is I just like drinking. I'm going to be honest with you. I said I'd be honest today. I like drinking. Today, I like drinking. And I haven't drank in four and a half years. You know why I haven't drank in four and a half years? Because I like drinking. I'm an addict. If I go back to it, I'm going to the beast and I did that. As a pastor, almost 20 years, I went back, I went and jumped right in the ocean. I knew I shouldn't have. And four and a half years ago, I found myself struggling secretly with an addiction to alcohol, standing up on, and preaching on Sunday and struggling all week long. I was, I was battling a beast. I would be arrested for that. On a Friday night, I got arrested. On Sunday morning, I would go back to my church. I would resign from the church I loved and the church that loved me. And I would fall deeper into a beast that had consumed me. 
I would fall into a beast of depression. We went from the church to my bedroom and I didn't come out for a couple of weeks. I went to, I, I was battling a beast of, of, of shame, a beast of fear if anybody would find out, a beast of guilt, a beast of, of unworthiness. I was battling a beast of suicidal thoughts. I was battling the beast of hopelessness. I was much like Jonah, found myself in this place I could not get out of. And I'm going to be honest, in my distress, I cried out to him. God sent me to the best church on the planet four and a half years ago. We came, we came to Freedom Church, and I did not get out of this on my own. It took a church of people helping me. Two and a half years later, Pastor Kendall would ask me if I was ready to preach again, and I would begin the journey then of, of, of fully recovering and begin the journey of, of, of where I am today. It took a lot of people. Somebody mentioned to me uh, after the nine o'clock service that, you know, you're not the hero of your story. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> I thought they was gonna say God is, and God is the hero of the story, but, but Wes looked at me and said, your wife's the hero of your story. I said, you're absolutely right, she is. Because sometimes we are so far in, we cannot get out on our own. Pastor Joel talked about connection. This is why we need a church. This is why we need the, the people and the body of Christ because we need that. I've been completely honest with you this morning. Here's my question. Will you be honest? Pastor Joel mentioned the game that's coming up and, and Bryce who'll be here and, and he called him an illusionist. And I was sitting over there thinking, man, I wish I could do magic. I wish I could do illusions, you know, that'd be so cool. Listen, some of you here this morning are the best illusionists ever. You're playing a game of pretend. You're fighting a battle nobody else knows you're in and you're not willing to say you're in. Magic is just that. It's an illusion. And someday it's gonna come crashing down. But here's the truth, we don't have to stay there. We don't have to live like that. We don't, have to, we don't have to fight that. But what has consumed you? I was reading some statistics this week as a recoveries pastor. I know all the statistics. I know how many people in the church are, are involved in drinking. I know how many people in the church do drugs. Like, you know, the people who are struggling with alcohol in the church, I've never met you, right? Because you're not gonna come up to the recoveries pastor and talk to him. He might smell alcohol on my breath. I can't do that. I'm gonna be the most popular man ever after service today because everybody I've never met is gonna come up to me and say, hey, how are you? Just wanna make sure you don't think that's me. <laughs> I wanna make sure I meet this guy. I know the statistics of people who struggle with drugs and alcohol and prescription drugs. I know the, I know the statistics. I was reading statistics on pornography this week. 77% of men have looked at pornography in the last month. Amazing. Then I reread the, the, the headline. 77% of Christian men have looked at pornography the last month. You know, we are battling a beast and we are in the belly of it and we're not even talking about it. We're pretending it doesn't exist. We are, we're not, here's what, I, I'm not even sure we're aware to the full extent that it does exist. Why do you think that? I think that because we give our 13-year-old sons cell phones. Now listen, I'm not preaching against cell phones. What I am telling you is you better check. What I am telling you, there better be some parameters because there is an enemy, a beast, who is out there looking to steal, kill, and destroy and consume your kids. Now how do you know that, Pastor? 
because I know what I'd have done with a cell phone at 13. Just being honest. My son texted me earlier because I did, in the last service, I said, I was talking about how you can give your kids cell phones, just they're not theirs, right? I pay for that. It's my cell phone. You don't have privacy. I get to read your text anytime I want. That is not your phone. We, we took his phone away from him this weekend, actually. We took his phone away from him. He was smart mouthing or something, you know, doing kid stuff. You got good kids, but he's a kid. Hey, he's right there. Yeah, he did. He said he didn't clean his room. Either way, we took his phone from him. I mentioned that last service that we took his phone from him while I was talking about teenage porn. He texted me, he said, dog, they think I was looking at porn. So I told him I'd clarify. You know how I know he's not looking at porn? Because that's not his phone, it's mine. Because I know there's a beast out to steal, kill, and destroy him. Because I have that conversation with him. We don't talk about it. And we're dying to it. So here's my question this morning. What is it that's consumed you? What is it that you're battling? What belly of what beast do you find yourself in this morning? And just be honest. Because the way Jonah got out was to be honest about where he was. The only way I got out was after hiding my struggle and hiding my addiction was to begin to be honest with myself and others about it. The first step, I'm gonna give you three steps this morning to freedom, three ways to get out of that beast, to get out of the continued cycle, to come out of that place you're in. Three steps to freedom. Number one, admit we are powerless over our struggles and our situations and that our lives have become unmanageable. Now, this sounds like a lot. This sounds deep. This is a hard admission to make because we all look at this and we're like, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. I mean, you're asking me to say that my life is unmanageable? I'm not talking about your life. I might be talking about your marriage. I might be talking about your, 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 maybe it is a sin. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it is fear. Maybe it is worry. What I'm talking about this morning is things that we have no control over, even though we pretend we do. Romans 7, 18 says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that my sinful nature, there is no good is what Romans tells us. That only good in me comes from Christ. It says this, though I desire to do what is good, I cannot carry it out. Matthew 5, 3 says this, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. What it's saying is this, blessed are those who know they need Jesus. Admitting you are powerless is not just saying, man, my life's a wreck and I can't do anything. Admitting you are powerless means that without Christ Jesus, my life will be a wreck and I can't do anything. We have to surrender that power to him. We have to admit that we need him. Listen, we need Jesus as much today as the day we signed the card, as the day we got saved, as the day we we first came to him. And and we have to admit that without him, we're powerless. Now, the truth is, some of you are powerless. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when, when I say, I couldn't quit drinking. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say, I can't get this Grief and this fear and this shame and this worry, this anxiety. I can't get past it. We got to admit you need help. If we don't, we're living in denial. You know what denial does? Denial disables our feelings. It wastes our energy. It prevents us from spiritual growth. Denial isolates us from God or others. Denial does nothing but lengthen our pain. We think we're pushing it off. We think we're pretending. We're just lengthening the pain. 
what we have to do is admit we're powerless. And when we admit we're powerless, powerless, I'll give you a little acronym here for powerless. There's some things that happen in our lives that when we admit we're powerless, things fall away, things like pride. You see, it wasn't that I was an alcoholic or that I just liked to drink. The truth is that I had become prideful in my life. My life and my ministry was all about me. Everything was about me. And what does scripture say? Pride goes before a fall. And we're too, proud, we're too proud to ask for help. We're too prideful to admit we have a problem. I could have quit drinking a long time ago if I'd have just been honest and said, hey, babe, I got something to tell you. But I was too prideful. You know how many pastors stand up on pulpits on Sunday morning and wish they could be honest with their church about the things they're struggling with? Just as many people who sit in the pews on Sunday morning and wish they would be honest about what they're struggling with. We gotta be honest. We gotta lose our pride. The second thing we need to lose is the only ifs. You know what the only ifs are? Well, only if my husband would act like this, we'd have a better marriage. Well, only if my wife would do this more often, we'd have a better marriage. Well, only if I'd get that promotion. Well, only if I lived in that house. We live this game of only ifs and we're stuck. Now, I know a lot of us have probably only if this week, right? Only if I could win that $1.5 billion. <laughs> Be honest, I've only ifed that a time or two. I'm not saying all only ifs are bad, but if we're not careful, we get stuck in the belly of the beast of only ifs. We get stuck just wishing something would change and not doing anything to bring about change. Worry. Worry leaves us powerless. Resentment. Resentment towards somebody else leaves us powerless. I've had two people this morning after both services come up to me and say, my parents were killed by a drunk driver. I need freedom. Two people tell me that. And if we're not careful, we can resent things. We can have unforgiveness and bitterness, loneliness, emptiness, selfishness, separation. All of those things keep us powerless. The second thing we have to do is believe God exists, that we matter to him, and that he alone has the power to help us. He alone restores us to sanity. On Friday nights, we talk about sanity. Sanity isn't, isn't a bad thing, or being in, insane, you're thinking, that's not me. Sanity is simply the ability to think and behave in a normal or rational mental, manner. It's simply sound mental health. And let's all be honest, sometimes we've been irrational. Sometimes we thought irrationally. Sometimes we think irrationally. We act irrationally. Sometimes we act out insanity. What we need is step number two, to believe God exists, that we matter to him, and he alone can help us recover. When I was going through my struggle and, and realizing my sin and my shame, I believed in God. But the truth is, I had forgot he believed in me. I knew he loved me, but I was pretty confident he was done with me. I was pretty confident I'd never stand on a stage again and get to proclaim the goodness of God. Because who would allow a pastor to do that? Who would allow that kind of failure? God, I stopped believing that God believed in me. I stopped believing that he alone could help me, could restore me. And I want to tell you this morning, some of you have got to start believing again that God exists, that you matter to him, that your marriage matters to him, that your kids matter to him. We gotta start believing, but it's he alone. We call it hope. Number one, he's the higher power. We're looking in all the wrong places and it's Christ alone. 
I love AA, I love the, the program that it is, but it wouldn't work for me because in AA, they allow you to choose your own higher power. I'll choose me every time, trust me. It's a pride issue, remember? I'll always choose my way. You don't get a choice in this. It is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. That's it. And we have to admit that. We have to believe that he's the only way. He's the only hope. He is the answer. Then we have to be open to change. We've got to start being willing to change, open to that. Then we start getting the power to change. God equips us with, with faith and with the ability, and, and we start to have the gifts and power to change. And then we have to begin to expect to change, to want to change, to desire to change. I'm going to ask our band to come back if they would. I'm going to bring you to point number three, the step. The third step we have to do after we admit we have a problem, admit we need help, believe Jesus is our only help. Number three, we have to choose to commit all of our life and will to Christ's care and control. Now, that sounds easy, right? Just choosing to, to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That, that's not what I said. Romans 12:1 says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What this step says is that we have to offer our life and our will to Christ. Now everybody wants God to take our life, take our sin, give us that write our name in the book of in the eternal book of heaven, right? The lamb's book of life. Everybody wants that. But do we want to give our will to God? It says this too. It says we're giving our life and our will to Christ's care and control. Everybody wants God's love. Not everybody wants God's leadership. Everybody wants God to care for them. Not everybody wants God to control them, right? And in order to come out of the battle we're in, we have to not just surrender our lives, we have to be willing to surrender control of our lives to him. Leadership and lordship of our lives to him. Interestingly enough, as Jonah came out of the belly of the beast, I think it's interesting that scripture says he was vomited onto dry land, right? I think that's interesting because Sometimes we want, we want the restoration to be easy. We want, we want it to be smooth and fast. I wanted to just, after my arrest, I just wanted to come clean, tell a few people, hide out, you know, and then get back to life, right? I didn't want to spend the next two years fighting an addiction still. I didn't want to spend the next two years still desiring to drink. I didn't want to spend the next two years, you know, confessing and, and going to clock group and talking about my problems. I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted it to be easy. I'm just telling you this morning, some of you are in so far, it won't be easy coming out, but you don't have a choice. I believe four and a half years ago, had I not got arrested, had God not sent a storm and a giant fish, I'd be dead. Or I'd have killed somebody driving. I'm thankful today for the junk I've went through because it's brought me to where I am. 
I love Celebrate Recovery. It's the group I lead on Friday nights. It's a great program, but we at Freedom Church have kind of been talking to the pastors and the staff lately about some changes we're making to our group and kind of shifted away from Celebrate Recovery model and really kind of do our own thing that helps us focus on specific things. We're changing the name. Our group's not going to change a whole lot. Some things will change, but we changed the name of the group on Friday nights to simply I Am Free. We're free and we know people need to be free. This Friday night, Norma Hurlis, our very own Norma, will be sharing her testimony of God's restoration in her life. It's an incredible story. I want to encourage you to come out and, and if nothing else, just support Norma because she's, she's such a great uh, speaker, such a great story she has. But what we're going to do a little bit different is we're going to spend the next few weeks focusing on mental health. We know that the holidays are hard. Sometimes it's tough. People get lonely. We've lost people. The holidays are tough. People get depressed. Suicide's up. It's a hard season for some. And we're gonna spend the next month talking about how we can, in our minds, be healthy and whole. And we'd love for you to come be a part of that. I wanna close with this today. Sometimes I think we see the circumstances we're in or the situation or the difficulty or even the belly of the beast we're in. We see that as punishment. And we can look at Jonah and say, man, that, that, that fish that swallowed Jonah, that was God punishing him. That was God's way of, 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 of just punishing him. Listen, that was not about punishment. If, if that fish had been about punishment, Jonah would have came out the other end, all right? Be a whole different story and a whole different sermon. That fish was about bringing Jonah back to surrender. That fish was about bringing Jonah back to obedience. And this is why I say earlier, sometimes the storms we're facing aren't storms that, 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 that are just there. They're storms God has sent to direct us. Four years ago, I wouldn't have wanted anything I was experiencing. And four years later, I wouldn't change a thing of it because I'm here now. It wasn't God's punishment. It was God's love. It was God bringing me back. We're about to sing a song about the goodness of God and about how he chases us down. Listen, I'm believing this this morning. God is not willing to leave you where you're at bow your heads with me today I simply want to do this as I said I've been honest with you be honest with me if there's anyone here who'd say Pastor Kelly I need prayer this morning I'm battling something maybe somebody else knows maybe nobody else knows maybe it's something you've done maybe it's something someone's done to you but this morning you'll just say you're in a place of darkness and hopelessness you're in a fight that you seem to be losing if that's you would you just slip your hand up and say I'm being honest this morning I need help I need hope thank you I need Jesus you're here and you say, I need to start believing again that he believes in me. I need to start believing again that God has a plan and a purpose for my messed up life, for the mistakes I've made. Anybody want to say that? Just slip your hand up. I'm ready for God to use me today. I want to ask you to do this. If our prayer partners would come, I want to have people just come forward. Would you stand with us all around this room this morning? And I want to do this. We got, we got time. It's the last service. If you're here and that's you, you raised your hand or you say this morning, I'm ready to come out of this battle. Would you just come and let us pray for you? After service, I'll be out in the foyer. Would you just come let me know that you're battling something? Because I don't want you to battle it alone this morning. As we sing this song, if you need prayer, I want you to come. And we're going to believe with you. It's my-